Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hi there, and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast, and today I'm going to focus on uh, the period of social cleansing, or at least what we could call one of the first periods of social cleansing in Maoist China in uh, late 1949, just following the uh, Maoist victory in the Chinese Civil War, um, and the the period of time known as the Liberation, though for many Chinese it was uh, far from a uh, a liberating time uh, at all. This is interesting because it tells us uh, an awful lot uh, about uh, Maoism uh, and about revolutionary ideas. Now, we, we have to kind of un- unpick what seems to be a, a contradiction here. During this period of time, it was mainly uh, the, the the targets were mainly poor people, vagrants, uh, rickshaw um, uh, rickshaw pullers, uh, prostitutes, beggars, uh, pickpockets, um, the real down and outs um, who were sent to re-education camps. Why would uh, Mao, who had um, Marxist-Leninist credentials, wage this war on China's poor? Well, they were essentially the wrong kinds of poor people. The kinds of poor people who, in um, Mao's view, had been uh, corrupted by capitalism. They had essentially uh, become um, subsections of uh, capitalism themselves, prostitutes that sold the one resource they had, their own bodies, uh, pickpockets and thieves that broke the law in order to uh, accumulate uh, goods. Normally they were looking to survive. Um, Beggars who sold their belongings. In Mao's view, Mao later uh, famously, uh, when meeting with Khrushchev in China, saw beggars at the roadside uh, during the Great Famine, and essentially said to Khrushchev, look, there's your problem, you see. Capitalism tends to restart itself whenever it gets the opportunity. Those people are selling belongings in order to uh, accumulate wealth, whereas obviously this is a kind of an absurd notion. The reality is that they were abs- uh, selling their belongings in order to stave off starvation. 
so um, for Mao, the the kind of the um, the, the criminalised poor represented something that needed to be uh, forced out of the new society, needed need to be almost kind of educated out of the new society, just as the the kind of the wealthy capitalist classes needed to uh, be uh, re-educated or liquidated in uh, whatever way was uh, easiest. If one looks at Maoist propaganda posters of the 50s and the 60s, it's clear that there are certain productive classes, the peasants and the workers, the urban poor, the, um, the, the, the wretched, the beggars, um, are not there. And the reason why they're not there is because they're not deemed to be productive classes. There's not, not a particularly good advert for uh, China um, uh, anyway, and obviously no, no country does tend to put um, beggars on its propaganda material. But the, the key distinction was between um, those capable of work or those willing to work, those willing to engage in the productive um, task of socialist construction and those who were uh, deviant, those who were lawless and those who were really hangovers from the corrupting influences of capitalism. And today we're looking at Frank Dakota's um, excellent book, The Tragedy of Liberation. Um, which, if you want a kind of a, a general primer for um, uh, the uh, for Maoist China, nineteen forty-five to about nineteen fifty-seven, this is the book to read. So Frank Dakota writes: More vulnerable were classes of people the regime perceived as threats to social order and drains on its resources. They were called lumpen proletariat in Marxist parlance, but parasites and trash by the party cadres who had to deal with them. Paupers, beggars, pickpockets and prostitutes, but also the millions of refugees and the unemployed who had come to seek shelter in the cities during the Civil War. Many urban residents who craved a return to social order after the chaotic years of Civil War welcomed these measures. Some, however, feared that the cities might be emptied. So uh, there would obviously, at the end of the Civil War, have been a widespread desire amongst many uh, urban Chinese, uh, and rural Chinese too, but in, in this case, uh, many urban Chinese, to see some kind of order restored. Often at the end of civil wars, people aren't picky which side necessarily wins, um, as long as the, the kind of the, um, the chaos of war can somehow be um, abated. Uh, and so the regime set about... Um, with kind of great deliberation, this process of kind of cleansing the cities. Frank Dakota continues, In Beijing, the communist troops charged with taking over the prisons found most of them empty. To save food and heat, the municipal authorities had ordered the large-scale release of inmates a few months earlier. On the streets of the capital, some beggars thought that they were quite literally liberated. They roved the streets, killing dogs, smashing windows and blackmailing shop owners, with some of them managing to make the equivalent of 8 to 10 kilos of grain a day. Rickshaw pullers, on the other hand, took liberation as a licence to fill out traffic regulations, causing mayhem on the streets. Thousands of them were rounded up and confined in makeshift camps on the outskirts of the city. By the end of 1949, some 4,600 vagrants languished in re-education centres and government reformatories. 
Now, there's, the, the, the mildly sympathetic view here might be that any party taking power at the end of a civil war would have um, a, an equivalent job of simply uh, keeping society under control, of trying to prevent cities from breaking down uh, into chaos. Okay, however, uh, a more critical view would point out the, the kind of the, the ideological bent uh, of these sorts of um, uh, uh, arrests and the language as well. The idea that certain individuals were parasites, certain individuals were non-productive, certain individuals um, managed to kind of uh, live off the commonweal while others had to do the, the toil. Of course, the vagrants and rickshaw pullers and petty thieves were forced to uh, consider their uh, behaviour, consider their beliefs, and um, reflect upon their lives. And, of course, they were forced to um, immerse themselves in Marxist, Leninist, Maoist uh, doctrine. Um, some attempted to um, use their time in internment camps profitably. Some tried to please their captors and to present themselves as reformed citizens. Others um, sank into kind of deep despair at what had happened to them. Um, and um, they, the, uh, the, the, overall, the overarching theme that they were told was that their imprisonment was part of their liberation that they were being liberated from the ideas that had oppressed them and misguided them uh, all their lives. Um, and the um, attempt to kind of subvert this sometimes um, led to um, the uh, inmates um, uh, losing their sanity, uh, though this was often viewed as being a kind of uh, a, a fake cry of mental illness, uh, whereas reality, in reality uh, there were attempts to uh, escape, um, there were suicide attempts, and in these camps were also children, um, and one report indicates that one frequent sight was children begging to be allowed to go home and not knowing, not knowing what was going to happen to them. Um, some of the uh, peasants, uh, some of the vagrants, I beg your pardon, who wound up in the camps uh, claimed that they uh, were unreformable or beyond reform or refused to be reformed. Although, or this is what some of the kind of official documentation uh, indicates. Um, however, the reality is on, on an everyday basis, life in these uh, camps was um, uh, brutal, uh, hungry, uh, and the uh, abuse of prisoners uh, was, was rife, uh, Frank Dakota writes. In the western suburbs of Beijing, um, guards stole food and clothing and regularly beat the people they were meant to reform. As a detailed investigation brought to light, some of, these, uh, some of the children in detention were sexually abused. Um, the nurses could be uh, careless, sometimes even brutal, particularly when using syringes. People died every month, the death rate being especially high among the elderly. So as we've seen in Stalinist Russia, um, initially 
when camps become simply dumping grounds for human beings. There is very little incentive to um, try to even apply, no matter how offensive or misguided the, uh, the thinking actually is, um, the supposedly reformist principles are of the camp. Yeah, um, and normally uh, the, these uh, camps, again as we've seen with Nazi Germany, become simply um, employment opportunities for sadists and for those who are profoundly indifferent or have a kind of abandoned all pretense of humanity when it comes to others, uh, particularly uh, uh, elderly people and children. Um, in Shanghai, thousands of thieves and vagrants and rickshaw pullers were arrested and sent to labour camps um, and in waves um, the uh, camps started to become overwhelmed with the numbers of individuals that were being sent to them. Uh, for example, in, th in December 1949, in three days, more than 5,000 beggars, pickpockets uh, and thieves were um, sent to re-education camps and to training camps, uh, which were largely the same thing. Those that weren't arrested fled from the streets. So those that um, might be familiar with uh, rural China, uh, my own experience of growing up in Hong Kong in the 1980s and uh, passing over to uh, China fairly frequently was uh, seeing the, um, the, the street vendor, the hawker, the uh, small cobbler, um, the um, peddler um, in uh, across kind of rural and urban China um, as a kind of a, a, a general sort of um, feature of, of, of everyday life. Um, and one only needs to imagine in 1949 how many people who lived in those conditions would have existed. The, um, uh, the, those that weren't arrested vanished. They, they leave the streets uh, as quickly as possible. And this process of uh, really uh, kind of eliminating or uh, sending into uh, hiding uh, an entire sort of social class or, or subclass has some... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. An important effect on China. Um, throughout uh, most of the works on Mao's China that you can read, one theme tends to come up. The idea that all facets of um, urban life and rural life, all kind of uh, Chinese social life in general, become gradually sort of weakened so that there is only one primary relationship in the end, the relationship between individual and state. Um, and by the end of the Cultural Revolution, you can see that at its kind of apogee. But the uh, elimination of street hawkers uh, kind of uh, starts to remove essentially part, part of the kind of the glue of Chinese life, the part of the kind of the familiarity, part of the, the sort of the, 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 the colour of, of the urban landscape. As Frank Dakota uh, puts it, people who eked out a living as peddlers and hawkers were also cleared from the streets. In Republican China, all manner of goods were delivered to the door, usually in baskets, swung from shoulder poles or carted on wheelbarrows, occasionally in donkey panniers. Each hawker had his own peculiar chant uh, or mechanical rattle to advertise his wares. Vendors and itinerant traders also stood on pavement corners, offering every possible item from local fruit and vegetables, cloth, crockery, baskets, coal, meat, toys, sweets uh, and nuts, to soap, socks, handkerchiefs and towels. Um, and the, the kind of the elimination of that was about wiping out uh, part of uh, China's past, China's um, rich and varied culture, for better or worse, um, and announcing that a, a new and monolithic uh, culture would be imposed uh, upon China. So uh, not only were these people... Um, uh, rounded up and sent back to their home villages, or they did, or they did the smart thing and um, made that journey themselves before the state got its hands on them. Uh, a tiny number were allowed to remain, and they were then uh, prevented from wandering and used uh, um, uh, to fill uh, open air markets. And so the um, familiarity of the you know, the street corner vendor or the um, existence of uh, the, the door-to-door vendor who um, many people, perhaps el- older people in Chinese cities, relied upon, started to vanish and was replaced with these new marketplaces. One in Changjin uh, was established on a kind of a, an old tract of wasteland um, it was a huge marquee uh, built with bamboo that went up in a couple of days um, and very quickly the whole place was walled and roofed and matted. Um, pictures were marked out and tables were established and even a fun fair was organised to uh, attract um, people to, to visit it. And there was a distinct political purpose behind that. It was about now coordinating commercial activity in one place where it could be observed, monitored, controlled, um, and it could be it could follow whatever ideological diktats 
uh, the state wanted. And it was about the, the process of kind of coordinating the population and stamping out whatever kind of deviant individualisms uh, might exist. Um, and the, uh, the, the, the ending of the street hawker. Um, the same thing happened with um, brothels. Um, in Beijing, uh, 2,400 police officers uh, raided brothels on November the 21st, 1949. A thousand women and several hundred owners, procurers and pimps were arrested. Um, and the uh, female sex workers, instead of being um, treated for any diseases they might have or, uh, or being uh, sent back to their homes or being really helped in any meaningful way, were sent to re-education camps. Many who had come from small peasant villages in the middle of China and were uh, not literate were set to work either learning um, Chinese, learning um, to uh, read and write, or those that could read and write were um, given books on and uh, told to read uh, the evils of feudalism and capitalism and try to kind of politically educate them in the nature of their exploitation. Um, though it's entirely possible that prostitutes in Beijing understood fully the nature of the exploitation, having lived through that exploitation throughout uh, significant periods in their lives. Um, they were given, um, uh, they were taught practical trades um, and sent to vocational training classes. However, they were locked up um, in re-education camps and those that filled up, um, the prostitutes were sent back to decommissioned brothels uh, in towns and cities um, and um, often they were forced to denounce their former employers, some of whom they would have had very unpleasant memories of, some perhaps not such unpleasant memories of, um, who would have been there uh, in, on, uh, in kind of um, struggle sessions, uh, wearing uh, chains and uh, being uh, forced to confess to their crimes. Um, in between October 1949 and January 1950, in Shuzhou, Bengu, Nanjing, Hangzhou, Tianjin uh, and other cities, prostitution was stamped out. And it was particularly associated with the kind of the dissolute and corrupt nature of the nationalist Kuomintang years. In Shanghai, a more gradual approach uh, was, uh, was used. Um, brothels were gradually starved of customers through uh, increasing uh, regulations, banquets, gambling, rowdy behaviour and soliciting for customers were all stamped out. Um, and then all contracts between uh, prostitutes and pimps and madams were declared void, um, so uh, the prostitutes could walk away at any time uh, that, they, that they wanted. Um, there was a uh, regulation and licensing of each brothel, and police could um, uh, invade at, at any time. And gradually, as uh, each address was closed, um, the uh, establishment 
was uh, permanently struck from the list and was never allowed to uh, reopen. Um, and as a warning, gradually, as the the kind of the, the campaign against brothels um, in, in, uh, sort of heated up, uh, a few brothel owners were executed and their names were um, put on lists in large uh, black writing as a warning to others to leave the profession um, of pimping uh, or perhaps not to consider uh, entering it. Many um, of those who could see which way the wind was blowing decided voluntarily to hand over their premises. They knew that their custom was dying out and they knew that the risks of remaining in the prostitution business far outweighed the financial rewards. Um, and so what happened to those pimps? A great many of them would return back home to their villages. Uh, some would um, take up a trade such as uh, tailoring or sell cigarettes on the streets uh, or become manual labourers or work on the railways. Um, many of the women uh, who were sent to re-education camps um, were forced to live as prisoners effectively following a, a harsh penal code, they were, in the eyes of the state, uh, needing to be transformed as individuals and were seen as being repositories of suspect and uh, alarming ideas. Um, they would spend their time in study sessions and they would have to denounce not only their pimps but also the old regime that had placed them in that situation. Um, there were uh, very few um, form, uh, former prostitutes um, were able to really express the kind of the kind of contrition that the state was looking for. Um, a number were resentful about being taken away from um, their work. Um, they had not necessarily chosen to be uh, rescued or liberated uh, in this way and didn't wish to be re-educated, um, and a number of them uh, kind of uh, quarrelled or argued uh, with those who were responsible for their re-education. Um, they, re they did not like being forced to do manual labour, and didn't see it as transformative, they just saw it as back-breaking and menial, and perhaps the sort of thing that they'd seen tried to evade uh, by uh, working in the sex industry. And they uh, were often deeply unhappy uh, being forced to work as seamstresses sewing uniforms for the People's Liberation Army. Uh, so uh, the, the kind of enforced liberation of sex workers here um, had uh, all sorts of unforeseen consequences. And one could argue that it was uh, not especially being done for the uh, the supposed victims of sexual exploitation, but being done for the kind of the wider ideological needs of the regime, um, and a, a a more nuanced approach to helping people to transition from exploitative sex work um, would look entirely differently. But really, uh, expecting that from the Maoist regime in 1949 is um, a little naive. Um, overall, what the uh, the regime was trying to do was socially cleanse its cities 
and to eliminate any kind of non-productive, i.e. non-agricultural or non-industrial labour. And this was kind of the very foundations, the setting of the very foundations of Maoism and many of the events that we will later look at, uh, particularly the uh, two five-year plans, the, uh, the second being the Great Leap Forward, would rest upon these sorts of social changes. Anyway, thank you very much for listening, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Do remember that we uh, support ourselves through a tiny trickle of ad revenue and the generosity of our patrons. If you can, pop by the Explaining History Patreon page um, and give a small donation, we'd be much obliged. Thank you very much. All the best. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.